let's say this together. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I want to congratulate all the men out there who are working so hard to be a godly father, a Christian father. Whether you are a stepfather, biological father, or a spiritual father, fatherhood is hard work. Amen? But with God's grace, we're able to do this. Desmond Tutu said this, Your family is a gift from God. Tough job. Now to fathers. Someone said, don't worry much about whether the kids are listening to you or not. You need to worry by the fact that they are watching you constantly. Our focus today is to discuss the fact that you as a Christian who has accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, through your faith in Christ Jesus, you should, by the grace of God, Play your role effectively in your home as a godly father. That's our focus today. Today, the society is moving some away from fatherhood. You can see it all over the country today. People are just moving away from what is really real, the way God created it. There are so many single-parent homes in the United States today, and usually it's the mom and the children. No father in there. What's happening today, even in Hollywood, some of the successful women, they don't want to get married. They just want to have a baby. They do whatever they want to do just to have a baby. That's not the way to go. You need a father in the home. That's what brings stability. That's what brings security. The father is needed in the home. And God demonstrated this to us from the very beginning. You have a man and his, and his wife. But even when he brought Jesus into the world, and now you, God could have done it in a way where Jesus came and everybody knew that was the Son of God, born by a virgin. That's not the way it was. God worked so hard to make sure that Joseph was in his life. He sent angels. To convince Joseph, you need to be with your wife. Jesus, the Son of God himself, we need a father figure in the home because it's absolutely necessary for the father to be right there in the home for the right development of the child. That's, Jesus is 
They are our example. The way it should be. And God showed us through His birth and the way He came into the world that you not only need the virgin mother, the virgin mother, you also need Joseph. It's, it's very, very important. Now, the children will become a part of what, what God is planning right there in the home. I know how it is about raising kids. And I know how I was when I was growing up. I knew everything. And these old folks, they don't know too much. <laughs> Mark Twain wrote, and talking about the kids, he says, he said, uh, when I was uh, 14, I didn't want the old man around much. He's, he was so ignorant. And then I became 21. And I was astonished as how much this, the old man has learned in seven years. Listen to the parents. They know much. God brought a man and a woman for a purpose. We think, basically, we have to have a good marriage. That's for us. And have kids. But you see, God's more for the children. God's more for the offspring and the generation after you. And that's why the scripture says God hates divorce because God is looking past you to the next generation. And you as a father, you as a mother, you are needed in the home because God's looking for the next generation. So God says he hates divorce. Now you can read in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. It says, but did he not make them one? God made them one having a remnant of the spirit. A remnant of the Spirit, what are we talking about? It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But God is a spirit. Jesus was a spirit being before he took on flesh. So God brought a man and a woman together as a remnant of the Spirit, the way the Spirit of God was. And why one? God's asking, why one? He seeks godly offspring. God's seeking godly offspring. And then he says, therefore, take heed to your spirit. The essence of you. Take heed to your spirit and let none, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Take heed to your spirit. That's talking to, about the parents. And then to the husband. To your spirit. Because your job, as far as God is concerned, your job as a Christian father, you are to give him a godly offspring. And God says, if you divorce, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. So I don't, I don't want that. I hate it. It can happen, but God wants the family together because the presence of the husband, the presence of the mother, both needed for the proper development of the child in the home of, in the home. I want to talk about five things this morning 
that I consider very important for Christian fatherhood. We're talking about fathers today. Five things. Number one, be present in their lives. Be present in their lives. How you spend your time reflects what's important, what's truly important to you. The kids need you. Now, I'm beginning to realize, you know, as I grow older, I'm beginning to realize you really don't have much time with these kids. Not as much time as you think you have. You don't have much time with them. You just think you have a lot of time. It won't be too long before they are beginning to want to leave home. And before long, they're no longer living with you. It's gone. That time is totally gone. They need that time with you. For you to bond with them. For them to know you. Somebody said, a wise father knows his child. A wise father knows his child. How can you know your child if you're never there? How can they really know you if you're never there? Your children should be able to say, no, that's not my dad. What you're saying now, that's not my dad. You don't know my dad. I know my dad. But if you're never there, they can't know you. Your presence alone is security. The, the, the studies have shown, even in a home where the father is not a good father, but he's there. He's not doing much. He's just there. The kids turn out better than homes where, for the most part, homes where the father is never there or there is no father figure in the life. You know, I remember uh, my father was killed at, when I was 12. So, and before that, he was hardly ever home. He was very busy. <laughs> you don't want to be too busy to be with your kids. We're not saying stay home with the, ch- the children 24-7. No, that's not what we're saying. But spend some quality time. Let them know that they are important. That they, you're there with them. When they need you, you'll be around. You don't know what that does to them spiritually. And mentally, I remember, uh, like I said, my father died when I was 12. And then I went into boarding school. And uh, the pain was, the pain, I'm going to the pain. Pain was really strong. Because, you see, in the boarding school, you got all the students in, in their, you know, dorm room. And on weekends, their fathers would come and visit with them. And my father wasn't there. And I usually I would sit in my corner. Even my mo- if my mother comes, that wasn't good enough. I sit in my corner just watching how the parents, re- the parents uh, reacted with, uh, with their children and uh, dealt with them. And it was very painful. You know, just uh, I, I wish my father was around. Then he would come and see me. You know, not to do much, but for, for me, for a kid, that's my dad. That's my dad. That's uplifting. That's my dad. And the kids look forward. You know, that's coming. You don't have to bring much, just a little. 
They are proud. See what my dad gave me. It may not be much, but you're there. It gives them stability. And you get to know them. And they get to know you now. Listen, see, this is the way God, in my mind, I think through these things. You see, the way God has created the world is this. If you don't spend time helping your wife, you know, as a father, raising the children, that's not your wife's job. That's your job. Number one job. Amen. If you don't spend time with them, so they, they feel your presence in the home, and you don't deal with them, you're so busy. <laughs> I, I say this. Well, I've done my part. I'm providing for them. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't. It's more than providing. We're coming to that. They need you in the home. You take care of them. You change their diapers. As they grow past that, you're with them. You stay with them. And you take care of them. When they're born, they're so helpless. They need you. They can't even do anything on their own. They need you and mama to take care of them. That's the way God created this thing. That's the way he made it. Now, a time comes if God allows you to have long life. Guess what? Now, it will be the kids telling you, no, you're wrong. Don't do that, daddy. Have you seen that happening? Don't do that. Don't go there. The role is reversed. Right? The role is reversed. They now start taking care of you. Sometimes they have to take you to the bathroom. Don't want that. <laughs> you know, you're walking like this now. You know, when you, they started walking, they did that, right? And you held their hands. Now they're holding your hands. That's the way God made it. If you were not there for them, when they needed that ministry... They may not be there for you when you needed them. What you sow is what you reap. And you only got one life. And it's not that long. So spend time with the kids. Invest in them. In other words, sow in them so that you reap later. Amen? They need you. They need you. If you're not there with them, you won't know exactly what's going on in your lives. How would you know to correct them? You don't know them. How would you know to discipline them? How would you know to instruct them? You got to be there. You got to see them. They have to know you. They have to say, Yo, you don't want to do that. Daddy's not going to like that. Because they know you. And you know them. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You notice the word that was used? Train. These days we have trainers, right? How would you get trained if you, uh, trained if you go to the exercise place and your trainer is not there? Who is training you? You need the trainer there to train, right? You can't train by just talking. We need you right there to demonstrate. So you train up the child by being present there and showing them and instructing them. Through words and your example. And that's how you train up a child. That's number one. Number two, 
be their protector. Be their protector. Now, when we talk about protecting, it's like God protects us. Be their protector. First, you're there, just like God promised. You're there with them. Just your presence is protection enough. Jesus himself said, I'm not alone. My father is always with me. And that's what a father should be to his child. You're always there. The kids can feel you. Even when you are not there, they know you're there. They know when you're going to be around. But be a protector. Now, you can't protect them if you don't really know what's going on. If you don't understand the kids and what they're doing, you can't protect them. You don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Some parents know when the kids are silent, they'll say, it's too quiet in here. (laughs) Something is going on. Have you been there? It's too quiet in here because you know your kids. They are doing something (laughs) that they shouldn't be doing. And guess, you investigate, guess what? Exactly, because you know them. And so you are able to protect them. But protection does not have everything to do with protecting them immediately from danger, current danger. It involves protecting them from danger ahead of them. Because the danger ahead of them is much bigger than what they are dealing with right now. That's the truth. What they are going to be dealing with in life after they leave your home is much bigger than what they are dealing with now. So you have to be there, know what's going on with them. The word for protection here for me is called discipline. And correction. That's protection. Discipline. Correcting them. Because you, can, you watch them. And you say, this thing that you continue to do, you, are, you insist on doing this, this is not good for you. This is going to hurt you in the future. So you are instructing them and teaching them and telling them, that's not the way to go. And sometimes when they do that, you let them know that's not the way to go. That's protection. That's protection for their future. And it's serious protection. And it's the responsibility of the father in the home. Some, in some situations, the, the, the father is not the disciplinarian. He wants the mother to do it because he wants to be the good guy. Well, come back from your throne, okay? Come down. The kids need you. Both of them should discipline. The, the mother and the father. Don't tell your kids, I'm talking to the ladies now, don't tell your kids, you wait until daddy gets here. So daddy's the bad guy. <laughs> That's what you're saying. He's coming, he's scared of daddy. You discipline them. And then tell daddy for... The second round of discipline. (laughs) And most of the time they will be negotiating with you. Please, discipline me. Please don't tell daddy, okay? (laughs) We want that. But this is how a godly or a Christian father must raise their kids. You have to discipline them. You just don't allow everything go. 
listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 22, verse 15. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. This is God speaking. This is the truth. Foolishness is part of the child's life. The child is foolish according to God. This is truth. He says the rod of correction will drive it from him. So you have to correct. Sometimes you correct with words. Sometimes you correct with this, your hand. I remember, you know, I, I don't like to go with my son is here. <laughs> but you got to discipline them. When they are acting in ways that are not right, it's because of foolishness. You have to draw their attention that this is not the way to go. I'm not doing it because I'm enjoying it. I'm doing this for your good. The child doesn't believe it, but that's exactly what's happening. I'm doing it for your good. I'm trying to straighten you so that in the future you don't get into danger. But the society is telling you you can't do that anymore. Don't even, don't even strike them a little bit. It's wrong. Uh, we'll call CPS and all of that stuff. Well, is that I listen to you or I listen to God? If you are right, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Don't buy into the lie that says you, cannot, you can never strike a child. I mean, I'm not talking about abuse the child. But go with what God says. The rod of correction is what takes the foolishness out of the eyes. You don't know more than God. I remember going into this place and uh, my, my son, I, I was disciplining him. That's uh, my son, Omar. <laughs> These days he's grown. I, I still discipline him, but I use words. <laughs> because if I try the other way, uh, he's much bigger than I am now. It's not going to work. <laughs> so, uh, this time it's days for negotiation, you know, <laughs> and trying to help him see what I'm trying to say. But in those days when he was small, I couldn't resist. I did what I had to do. But I remember going into this Millsap Elementary, and she said, uh, the instructor, because the instructor had called, and I was not happy. I was going to meet with Omar and the instructor, and usually they talk to you. But Omar was begging the instructor, please don't call my daddy. I'll be okay. I'll act right. They called me anyway, and she, he was terrified, according to the, the uh, instructor, and they figured he must be doing something really bad because this boy is so terrified of daddy coming. As soon as I walked in, she sat me down and said, uh, uh, Sir, I noticed that your boy is so terrified of you. Uh, I said, Really? She said, yeah. She said, uh, let me show you, sir, how you discipline uh, a child. Uh, Pam, could you come, please? She was going to, I'm not a student, but she was going to put on your hand. She said, this is how you discipline the child. That's what she did. That is how you discipline the child. I did. Please sit down. Thank you so much. I looked back. I said, really? I said, uh, if I recall correctly, Maybe you know something better that God doesn't know. Because God says to beat them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to listen to you. 
I'll do what I have to do, okay? But that's the way it is. Your discipline. Proverbs 13, verse 24. If you do not punish your child, I'm reading from New Century Version. He says, if you do not punish your child, you don't love them. Notice the word used. Punish. Don't try to be your child's friend. I mean, you are 30-something years old and you want to be a friend to a seven-year-old? That's not the way God wants it. You are the father, the parent. You are not their friend. If my son said, dear friend, I said, no, I'm not your friend. In fact, the way we do it in your home, our home is, who is your friend? That's the way we do it. He says, friend? No, no, no. That's wrong. I'm your daddy. Amen? I'm not your friend. You try to befriend the child. That's not the way God wants it to be. God is saying, if you do not punish your child when they do something wrong, the truth is you don't truly love them. You just think you love them. Let God be true and every man a liar. You have to discipline the child. He says, but if you love your child, you will correct them. That's true discipline. You have to correct the child. They'll cry. In fact, God says, beat them, they won't die. <laughs> I didn't say abuse them. I call CPS myself. But you have to take care of that. You have to discipline the child. And that's how you protect the child. Because you're telling them, this is not the way to go. This is the way to go. And the Bible says foolishness is bound to the eye. So they'll probably go right back to the same thing. You discipline again until they get the message that this is not the right thing to do. And when they grow older, they will fully understand what you were doing and be truly appreciated. I heard a story about a child. I don't know if it was true, but this is what I was told. The boy lived in a good home, very wealthy, had everything, television, everything, when people couldn't have anything much. And he was, he got, he's, got, he's got everything. And, uh, but then he was in the same school with a Christian child who's been taught carefully by the parents that when I discipline you based on the word, it's because I love you, not because I hate you. I'm trying, looking out for your good. I'm looking out for the best for, your, for you in life. That's what I'm doing. And that kid was bad at home and bad at school. And one of those children told the kids, said, well, your parents never disciplined you. No, no. My parents, never, they never do that. And what the Christian uh, child told her, that's because they don't love you. And they said, what? Really? Said, yeah. Because if they love you, they'll discipline. Our parents discipline us. Thank God for those kids. Because they love us. He felt so bad. I don't know how it worked. He felt so bad. So they really don't love me. So he went back home to try to prove because he thought because he was getting everything, that was real love. But now he was hearing something different from these kids that behaved well in school. And, and so he wanted to prove it. So he went home. So if I, they won't discipline you, regardless of what you do, no, they won't. They don't love you, they said. So he went back home. He tried something bad. Oh, son, you don't have to do that. Oh. But no, they didn't discipline him. So he tried something worse than that. 
and, oh, so what's the matter with you today? You don't have to do that. We love you. He was thinking, those kids said they don't love me because they don't spank me. And then finally he destroyed the television and they still didn't discipline him. So he felt that he started crying. What's going on? This on. He says, you don't love me. Those kids said, if you love, you discipline. And that's the truth. Hopefully those parents got the message. You got to discipline the child because that child is going to grow wild. How, how will they know when they leave your home, they gotten every, away with everything in the home, when will they know that they can't do something about that they're doing outside from your home? Until they're handcuffed? That's bad. That's not protection. You got to let them know there's penalty for wrongdoing. And it starts at home. Amen? Third thing is you got to be a provider. A provider. I have enough time. Now, when we talk about, when we talk about providing here, uh, every time Christians hear the word provider, is a good provider, the first thing we think about is money. Money. It's a good provider because he gives money. But let me let you know this. Provision is much more than money. Provision is a whole lot more than money. Paul said this. He said about things that perish with the using. As opposed to things that increase with the using. Things perish with the using. They don't last. What you give to your kids, what you provide for your kids, that will increase with the using, they're much better than what you can give to them, money-wise, things. They need comfort. They need wisdom. They need cancer, good cancer. They need warmth. They need you there in their lives. That's not to say you shouldn't provide for them financially. If there's a need in the home, you just cannot sit there and do nothing. There's something to be done. I'll take anything just to help in the home. It's better when they know that you're struggling, but you're doing everything that you can just to make sure it's okay with them. And still spending time with them. You are willing to take anything. You are willing to do whatever job is available. Just to make sure the parents, I mean your children are doing okay. You do whatever it takes to be there. But it's a whole lot much more than just giving stuff to them. Listen to what the scripture says in First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we need to provide for the kids because of time. Fourth, be the priest of the home. Be the priest of the home. Every man, if you are a Christian or you name Jesus or you call Jesus your Lord, God calls you the priest of your home. You are the priest. 
you are the priest of your home. When God's going to speak or give direction in the home, he goes to the man in the home. You can see this in the Old Testament all the way. It's wrong, backward. The woman can make suggestions, but please, ladies, let the man make that decision. Because you see it all through the scriptures. God goes to the man. But you are the priest of your home. You are to take care of the home. Now, let me say this. Before you got married, you got trouble. When you got married, uh, your trouble was multiplied by two. That's the way life is. You thought, when I get married, it's going to be okay. Uh, let me sit you down and talk to you about this. And then when the kids start showing up, you really got trouble. You used to be just able to jump with your wife and just get in the car. We're going to Galveston. And you can drive. Uh, when the kids come, no, you're not. We got to get some a babysitter. Or you, you, you got to drag them along with you. Your troubles multiply now. And the Bible tells us that a man who is born of a woman, he's of few days full of troubles. So uh, if you are the priest of your home, you better learn to pray. Because there are certain troubles that will come. Uh, the priest doesn't even know what to do. Prayer is part of that. A man in his home, you have to pray. You have to pray. Spend time praying. You are the priest of your home. Spend time praying. And now, I know, you know what they say, well, well my husband doesn't pray. <laughs> uh, really? People, everybody prays in a different way. Hello? Some people are really emotional, and they'll tell God everything line by line. And some people, all they do is, oh God. But he hears them. Amen? He hears them. Because it's coming from the heart. It's coming from the heart. But you have to pray. So we don't measure... How, how long you pray, how, how often you pray. But if you are the priest of the home, you have to pray. Today, I've spent years, by the grace of God, I pray for my kids all the time. Probably did that this morning. Constantly praying for them. I, all I need to do, I don't understand how it works. But I do know what the scripture says. Whatever you commit to God, he is able to keep until that day. Whatever you commit to God. So I tell him what I want for my kids. The kind of husband, the kind of wife. We pray about these things. And then I leave it in his hands. I don't have to monitor the kids and follow them and ask them who they, what they do. Just let them. I've given everything to God. And I believe that he heard me. Amen. He heard me. No matter what's going on, God's going to take care of it because I've already given it back to him. 
I'm the priest of the home. I've spent time with him. I've talked to him. You gave them to me and I'm giving them to you. And this is what you've shown me. This is what I want you to do for them. I want you to make them great. I want you to give them good partners. I want you to bless them, protect them, keep them from accident. Sometimes you are sitting in your office or wherever you are. All of a sudden you start thinking about your kids and you're thinking, wow, maybe something flashes on or somebody tells you about an accident. Then you start saying, oh God, not my kids. Not my kids. And the Bible says, God listens. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. Everyone who asks, receives. So I can ask for my children. You are the priest. Pray for your home. That's what a priest does. Psalm 65 verse 2, it says, O you who hears prayers. To you all flesh will come. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says, Call to me. Sometimes we are confronted with something that we cannot handle. Sickness in the home. Financial difficulties. What can you do? You can't do anything. But God says, Call to me and I will answer you. Notice what he said. I will answer you. And then he says, I will show you great and mighty things. Which you do not know. Right now you don't know them, but I'll show you. So you call and God will show you what to do. That's what it says. I'm going to go to the fifth one and the final one. Is be a promoter of your kids. In other words, be an encourager. Be an encourager. A promoter of your kids. Promote them. Promote the kids. Let them know you are proud of them. Let them know that they are doing okay. The kid is scared that he'll come home with a B because you know they haven't been studying very much. I mean, and they're scared of you because you're expecting an A. And they should bring, ah, I got a, Daddy, I got a B. Wow, you got a B. You didn't even study much. I wonder what will happen to you if you really studied. Amen. You turn that into a positive. Man, you made a B. I thought you were going to make a C. So the, the pressure goes down. And guess what? They know an A is going to be fine. So what's going to happen there? They study. Because next time, well, guess what? They want to be able to come to you. He was excited the other time when I showed him a B. I guess he hit the roof when I showed him an A. So they work out for it. Amen? So you encourage them. You encourage them. There's a time to scold. There's a time to encourage them. When you know they're expecting something, they're scolding, don't go there, maybe. Go the other way. It might help them. You know, brag on them. You know, two times in the scriptures, Jesus didn't tell his father to brag on him. After Jesus was baptized, guess what? They never heard God speak like that before. The Jews. I mean, for 400 years, God had said nothing. Nobody had heard his voice. And then when Jesus was baptized in obedience, and he said as he was coming out of the water, the dove came, and then all of a sudden, everybody, we think that it was just a whisper, everybody around heard the voice. God bragging, that's my son, he said. My beloved son, in whom... I am well pleased. It was. 
He bragged on him. He bragged on him. So we can brag on our children as well. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, Jesus was with Elijah and Moses and they were talking. And Peter got really carried away. We're going to build three booths here. One for you, one for... And then the father spoke up again. This is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. And then he added, you better listen to him. And the Father is speaking to you this morning. Amen? If you're here, God is saying, listen to what Jesus had to say. Listen to him. Listen to him. We can encourage our kids and bless them so that God will make them everything that he created them to be. Amen? Five things. Five things we need to do. Number one, be present in their lives. Number two, be a protector. Correct them when they're wrong. Protect them from things that are coming to them in the future. Be a provider. Number three. Number four, be a priest, the priest of your home. Pray for them. Pray for their family. Number five, promote them. Be a promoter. Encourage them. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. Fathers, I just felt, would you all just walk, come up here? Come up here, be with me here. Every father here. Sometimes I know what it is. There is no perfect father. We've made mistakes too. And, um, we need to talk to God today. First, ask Him to forgive us where we've missed it. And secondly, to ask for wisdom as we raise our kids. Every one of us is in a different situation in your marriage, as with regards to your kids, every one of us. But God knows your situation. He's fully aware of it. Why don't we give this, him this opportunity, talk to him about what's going on in your house and what you want, and see what God will do. Amen? Let's do that. Would you please, the rest of you, stretch your hands over here. Stretch your hands over here. Pray for wisdom. The Bible tells us in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. God delivers wisdom. He doesn't scold. I need wisdom to raise my kids. I need wisdom to direct them. I don't want to be a foolish father. I want when my children grow up, they can look back and say, yes, he wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. But we're glad to have Daddy at home. He was a help to us. Father, we thank you, Lord. By your Spirit of oh God, like as you said in your word, 
call to me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. God, we're asking you as fathers today to show us great and mighty things that we do not know. We thank you for fatherhood. We thank you, Lord God, for being our example of what a true father should be. And Lord, we ask for grace from heaven, Lord, that you will give us insight and wisdom as to how to raise our children, how to direct them so that they can become godly men and women, influencing the world, turning men and women to Christ. We thank you, Lord God. We give you praise right now. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We believe you've answered our prayers today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please go back to your seat. We're going to be taking our offering. just reminded me now and um, it's very important I did mention in my uh, message how I felt when I was in boarding school not having a father how painful that was Um, before we take the offering if you are here and you're fatherless no father in your life I know you're going through something if that's you male or female Would you please rise? We want to pray for you. Thank you. Mm. Ushers, please bear with me. I know it's painful. Can you all just walk up here? Walk up here. I'm going to pray for you. Sorry, ma'am. can see that this even after you're grown this thing is still there the pain is not it's not it doesn't go away doesn't go away please bear with us pray for healing Lord today thank you Lord Jesus God you can make the pain go away because you are our good father God take the place 
of the father that was not there the father that is no longer there take the place of that father right now in Jesus name for your word says you are a father to the fatherless and you care for them oh God you've become a father to them and you're a good father Lord I know you'll take care of Ruth thank you father God in Jesus name Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Take the pain away, Father, in the name of Jesus. Replace it with your presence as a father in Alice's life right now, in Jesus' name. Take the pain away, God. Take the pain away, God. Take the pain away, God. Thank you, Jesus. Without a whole lot of words, I think we can all understand how important a father is in the life of a person. Very, very important. We learn from those that have gone before us, and we don't want to repeat the same mistake. I pray that our children will recognize that we recognize this responsibility that God is giving to us, and we take it. We don't take it lightly. I encourage every man here, be the best father that you can be for your children. You can make that decision today. You can make that decision today. And do some of these things so that the kids won't do things that you that will make you to be ashamed. Thank you. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for healing right now. Would you just say with me, I receive my healing. Thank you. Thank you. I receive my healing. Thank you, Lord. I receive my healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. can go back to your seat. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you need an offering envelope, uh, ushers will let you have one. Could you please give me um, Luke chapter 8, beginning from verse 1. 
1 through 3. It says, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Heros, Steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Jesus, his ministry needed money to get the work done. And these people were grateful to God they give. And that's the way God is set it up. Notice what it says there. His disciples were with him. They were not doing any other work but ministry. And these women, these women, they were giving from what they had to the Lord. We're doing the same thing today. Jesus is preaching the gospel. We're getting into all kinds of things in our church. We want to do evangelism. All of this costs money. But our church has always been a giving church. And we're grateful to God for you. Are we ready to give? Please lift your offering up. We're going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of giving to your kingdom. We ask that you receive our offering from our hands. Lord Jesus, worship your Father with our offerings right now. We know that you will be faithful to your word because you will bless us even according to our giving. We're sowing into your kingdom and we believe we'll receive the harvest of the seed sown. Thank you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.